0: I kind of put a little bit on myself for the eight-second violation, and then they come down and hit a three, and that really changed the entire the entire game, that sequence right there. So there's little things that we can control and fix, but at the end of the day, we're not overreacting. Uh, it's one game. Um, we got to go back out and get ready for game two. Donovan Mitchell after an incredible 57-point performance, but – they had a chance there to put it away with the ball, up four and a minute 46 to go, and walking it up court, they got a backcourt violation. Momentum swung, and Denver did what Denver's done four times in the Jazz this year. It was a great game, it was a close game, and Denver found a way to win at the end, PK.
1: Yeah, that's it. Donovan Mitchell, what I've been talking about. is is emergence from stardom, superstardom. We are seeing it right before our eyes. It's exciting. They lost the game I understand that they're probably going to lose the series without two starters although Denver does not have two starters either but their starters are a little lower down the pecking order relative to where the dot the starters for the Jazz are and as far as that backcourt thing I mean come on you got so many guys over there that are coaches you know, when the ball goes out of bounds and there's two seconds on the shot clock, everybody stands up, says, two seconds, two seconds. Hmm. You know, and I know the ball went off, Gobert, and so it was six seconds. But when I mean, you think about it, one of those guys should have known the rules. and not and Maybe they did. Maybe I didn't see it and Donovan didn't hear it. I don't know, but it didn't look like it. I mean, with all those assistant coaches and head coach, I mean, the way I look at it, man, they got more guys on the payroll than the Corleone family
0: had. Ah, yeah. Everything's a godfather. You know, if nothing else, the number's up in bright lights right above the basket. And, you know, you're a point guard, and that's something you've been looking for for years. So... It was a good thing he just owned it in the postgame. Twice it came up, and both times he just said it was his fault. And I
1: don't think it was his fault. I think it was uh, the coaching
0: He was, He was yelling at Joe, and the thing he was yelling at Joe to get on the other side of the floor for whatever play he wanted to rebalance the floor. And then they had to talk afterwards, and it looked like Joe was having none of it. Like, no, I was really in the right place, and here's why. But anyway, you're right. As long as you're one of the coaches and you're getting paid, you should yell too. Multiple people can make a mistake at the same time, and they did, and that was a huge play in the game. Then also in in overtime, I mean, did they just lose their edge or what? Because overtime for Denver – Looked a lot like the end of the fourth quarter for Denver, but overtime for the Jazz looked nothing like the fourth quarter for the Jazz. And the, the the turnovers went way up, the quality shots went way down, and they were down by eight in a heartbeat in overtime.
1: Yeah, I think they're playing big minutes. They're playing exhausting minutes too, because it's the a few guys that got the shot opportunity to help them win, and then a little bit of running out of gas. And I mean, he stunk in overtime. That's obvious, but. You know, we can nitpick on the negative. If that, yeah, that goes
0: that – I thought about the nitpick on the negative, and I thought that really goes to what Steve Cleveland told us. The margin for error is so low. You know, Rudy Gobert needs to make a couple more of those free throws. I mean, at least be 50% of the line. And he wasn't. And the turnovers down the stretch and the backcourt violation. But the margin yeah, of error I, is just so slim. They just can't afford anything.
1: I don't want Royce O'Neal taking a big shot. Just, I just don't. Sorry, Royce. I know you're a great guy, and we love everybody on the team, but I don't want him taking a big shot. And if I'm Denver, he's exactly where I'm taking a big shot. <laughs> Thank goodness yeah. Donovan didn't take that shot. Yeah, and I didn't understand guarding uh, Jamal Murray with Joe Ingles. It just didn't make much sense to me.
0: Yeah, they had Royce on him another time, and he spun Royce around. Actually, Royce was on him on that three-pointer right after the, the turnover. He spun him around, too. So the Jazz lose, and now they gotta find a way to beat Denver when the game hangs in the balance right at the end. Met three times the regular season, once in the playoffs, and these games have all looked a lot alike. Alright, tomorrow, two o'clock for game two, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. For me, every game is the same. You know, it's gonna be every game, uh guy's gonna be physical with me. I think I lost this game. I should never have like 11 turnovers. It's 11 with possession. Imagine that. So I think I lost this game. You know, I got to get way better than that for sure. Luka Doncic after the Clippers beat the Mavericks 118 to 110. And yes, he had 11 turnovers and yes, that is way too many. Doncic still did a lot of uh, spectacularly entertaining stuff and had a huge stat line. 42 points and 9 assists Uh, but also there was an ejection in that game that seemed to turn things pretty quickly Chris Stapps Porzingis kicked out he got technicals Uh, I thought the first one was super quick super soft and I didn't hear every word maybe but I thought that was really quick on that one the second one he should have dialed back the aggression he knew he was already carrying one but that changed the game he was gone and that was it
1: yeah I seem to recall a play In the NBA Finals once, where uh, Kevin McHale beheaded Kurt (laughs) Rambis, (laughs) yeah, that's a different era. PK, all he got was a personal foul. There was no technical. There was no ejection, and that's what you ejected Porzingis on. Dial back the aggression. That was aggression. Were we playing patty cake here? Yep, that's what we're playing. It was pretty pathetic. That was a joke, man. If I'm Mark Cuban, I storm the court, uh, I go berserk, man. They were just fortunate uh, then they wouldn't have home court anyway. Cuban but offered a no comment after the game. There would be, yeah, what was he going to say that was going to leave a fine? I mean, that the refs got uh, they got way too trigger happy on that. I mean, you're dealing with a Morris guy who was the Morris twins. They're known as hotheads. They're going to incite guys. And uh, that's, I mean, the, the Morris guy had to do that uh, to uh, Doncic basically after the play. And Porzingis comes in and sticks up for his guy against somebody who's going to try to get under your skin. They have a history of doing that. This is about their 40th team that these Morris guys have been with because <laughs> they burn out every place and so people get sick of them. And Porzingis gets thrown out on that. Oh my gosh, that was a joke.
0: Raptors beat the Nets. Fred Van Vliet, 30 points. Celtics beat the Sixers. Jason Tatum, 32 points. Uh, anything in either of those games catch your attention? Or, uh, hey, they're the two and three seeds. They did what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I would agree with the last part of that. Yeah.
0: Gordon Hayward uh, injured his right ankle, uh, leaving the arena on crutches afterwards. Expected to get an MRI and... I don't think they're going to need him in this series, but uh, they're going to need everybody for the Raptors. The second-round series, Raptors-Celtics, looks like it out of setup. It's a very good series. You'd think you'd want all your guys for that. DJ and PK, hashtag NFL. He's interesting. He took off
1: a couple times today. It really fired me up. He's been hurt. Uh, looked like the ankle has really turned the corner. Uh, he's. He's a dazzling playmaker with his feet, and that's the key to his game. So I, I saw that, glimpses of that today. It was exciting. Uh, started off slow in 7-on-7, seven seven, but picked it up, had a nice day. Had a really nice day.
0: John Gruden, impressed with Marcus Mariota there, talking up his backup quarterback.
1: I'm not so sure he's the backup quarterback.
0: Think he's going to be the guy?
1: Uh, well, when I say I'm not so sure, that would indicate that I'm not sure but I wouldn't, I wouldn't label him the backup quarterback right now. I would label him in contention for the starter.
0: You think it's a 50-50, or you think either guy's got an, got an edge? Even if it's not 100-0, it's not locked up.
1: I mean, they've only been in practice here for a little bit. I think that my gut instinct tells me that he would like to have Mariota win the job. He's not just not going to hand it to him, though.
0: Baltimore Ravens expected to host former Cowboy star wide receiver Dez Bryant for a workout. He's 31. He hasn't played the last couple of years. 2017 is his last game. But Lamar Jackson's interested in having him there, so maybe they'll add one more weapon and possibly bring the circus to town. I don't know. Two years out of the game, you think the guy appreciate being back in the league, or does it take like two or three big games before you rev up you rev up uh, the circus music again?
1: Well, oh, yeah, if you become a star, then you bring the baggage along with you. I mean, you are who you are at this point.
0: Alex Smith says, In the football world, I'm a dinosaur, but I felt like a 16-year-old again. The nerves, feeling excitement, obviously anxiety, all that stuff, being alive, the range of emotions of going out there with your teammates. That's why you play. Back practicing with Washington again. A dinosaur.
1: What kind of dinosaur would he be? I don't know the difference between one dinosaur and the next, so I can't help you.
0: Chiefs announced they're going to have about sixteen thousand fans in the stands for their season opener against the Texans, September tenth at Arrowhead Stadium, a notorious stadium for visiting teams. You like the difference between famous and infamous, right? Infamous for the road team, but famous for the home team.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I told you what in June that I thought the NFL was going to try to get uh, ten to fifteen thousand fans in their games.
0: A lot of ticket revenue. That's a major revenue stream. They're real expensive, so any portion of that I think they can recapture, they're going to they're gonna try to do that. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. We reached out to everybody. Bob Bretta, who's uh, one of the senior associate athletic directors here, handles scheduling, and I think he talked to all 129 <laughs> other teams in the FBS and just said, hey, are you interested in doing this? That's Army's coach, Jeff Monken, right there on scheduling this fall. Army's an independent. BYU expected to face Army. West Point, September 19th, according to reports. Jay Drew, Deseret News, is reporting the Black Knights will make a return trip to Provo in the future as part of a uh, home-and-home series agreement. Uh, It makes sense, PK. I think the only question that we had is, would they actually do a home-and-home this year? How many games do they want to play? How many other games can they get? As independents and both sitting on about four games... Makes sense they would play each other.
1: Oh, yeah, and it makes sense that they would have a home-and-home, too. BYU's got a little bit of leverage here because you need me and I need you, so let's try to get something in return. And As it would be for our uh, Navy, it would be cool uh, for the players to be going back to the east of those academies, and I'm excited for it. Life's going on, and at least right now it looks like football's going on, which is what I think they should be doing. It comes to a point where you can't do it. I Don't worry about that later. But right now, I think they should. It'll be
0: two games for BYU now with the uh, yep. with the academies in September because they've obviously got the Labor Day Night game with uh, with Navy. That's awesome. SEC announced their entire football schedule now. As soon as they did this, PK, didn't you think? Okay, this means you're going to play because you wouldn't do this and then cancel in a week. Because we've already seen other leagues do that, and it didn't go over well. So now the SEC couldn't possibly be doing that, right? And they're really going to play now. And as much as we don't want to pencil anything in as 100%, they couldn't
1: possibly be doing that, could they? If Something uh, leads to where they need to do that. That would be fine. Not fine, but fine in the context of plan, plan, plan for it, plan for it. And then if things change, to go ahead and and have to adjust. And I assume you're being a little sarcastic there, too. So with that in mind, season's going to be going on. It's funny. It's like uh, people in whatever political party you want, if your guy or lady loses, then a lot of yous, not all of yous, but a lot of yous then root against the country. Because politics is more important than the actual success of the country. And so you then want the other guy or lady to fail. Well, now I'm wondering, is the Big Ten and Pac-12, are they rooting for these other conferences to fail so they don't look wildly stupid?
0: I think they're rooting for them to stop before they fail. Now, once you get to it... uh, uh, Stop before you get to it... I guess you could say, yeah, you could still drop the I told you show, you know, and you were two or three weeks late or whatever it turns out to be. But I think that, I think everything gets ratcheted up if they're still playing football in, in mid-November.
1: And, okay, and then at that point, they're going to root for them to fail. They're going to actually root for, they're going to root for cases to increase to make them stop if you don't it's like yeah when you when your kid's on a high school team yeah you're all for the team as long as your kid's starting your kid isn't starting you want the team to suck so your kid will get in there
0: Root for that third baseman to strike out because your kid plays third base
1: whatever sport it is you name it you can fill in the blank that's the reality of it that's what a parent does and that's what a parent wants first the best for his or her kid and so they want, the, at least they, they can win maybe, but they want the player ahead of their kid to suck. And if you don't think that...
0: You haven't oh, sat in the stands in a high school game. Who's being naive, Kay? <laughs> two godfather references.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, the SEC schedule. This is crazy for a league that at one point was only playing six league games in our lifetime and it still only played eight in a 14-team league. Now they got ten conference games. Alabama-Georgia... October 17th, Brian Denny Stadium. Georgia's first regular season game in Tuscaloosa since 2007. <laughs> That's incredible. You're in the same conference, and you're going to a stadium for the first time in 13 years? <laughs> All right, well, we'll look forward to that game. that would be huge. Uh, Alabama LSU is set in November, mid-November in Baton Rouge, so... University of North Carolina is going to full-time remote learning after uh, announcing 177 students are in isolation. Another 349 are in quarantine because of the coronavirus. Uh, That has not impacted the athletic department yet. We'll see if it does. They're scheduled to play Syracuse on September 12th. But did you see the front page of the student paper there? I can't possibly quote the headline, but it was making the rounds on social media. Another, uh, Another change in the media, something that never would have happened when you were cranking out the student paper at Northern Arizona or Arizona State. I don't even know if you did the student paper at either school, but let's pretend you
1: did. Well, I did at Northern Arizona, but for ASU, I had switched to broadcasting.
0: More public backlash with the Big Ten and reports that – a couple people don't even, aren't even sure they took a vote. And it's funny because I was sitting there looking at the states and just going on that whole red state, blue state. Although in the case of the Big Ten, there's some states that are purple and swing back and forth depending on how you want to look at it. But I was wondering you know, what the vote was because it clearly wasn't unanimous. But uh, now you get people unsure if the school presidents actually voted.
1: Yeah, I saw that's, that. That's, that's a yeah. That's a bizarre deal.
0: You would think a decision as big as that, that's uh, hundreds of millions of dollars across the, the Big Ten, well, it's probably over a billion because they're talking about a billion-dollar line of credit for the Pac-12. And for starters, there's 14 Big Ten teams, and we all know that their TV package is worth way more. So I'm going to assume that this was more than a billion-dollar decision for them. You'd think there would have actually been, you know, a motion, a second, and a vote. A little Robert's Rules of Order there.
1: No, there's no politics involved. It's purely for the safety of the student-athletes.
0: DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch to Tatis is swung on and hit out to deep right field. It is up and out a grand slam for Fernando Tatis Jr. The Padres have made it a blowout. 14-3 in Arlington. the final, although the Rangers upset because that was a 3-0 pitch. He shouldn't have been swinging. He had a take sign. Youthful enthusiasm, PK, just blew through that sign and crushed another home run. That's his first career grand slam.
1: Yeah, those are one of those unwritten rules there when you're winning by a block because you're winning by seven runs. And it was late in the game, all that stuff. So when Machado had to bear the brunt of it, they threw behind him. Uh, I guess they tried to hit him or maybe just threw behind him on the very next pitch. I think they changed pitchers. And the Padres manager didn't appreciate it himself and said that he was going to have to talk with the young man. But uh, he's he's tied with Trout for the league lead in home runs now. I think he got 10.
0: 11. That was his 11. Grand Slam gave him 11. He had 10 earlier in the game. So, the uh, Padres get the win there. The Dodgers. that That was a lot of home runs in that game. Dodgers. Playing long ball one after another, uh, Kyle and Corey Seager uh, both homer and Corey's. That was just a majestic shot. They'd never
1: played against each other in sixteen professional
0: seasons combined. Holy cow! That was a spectacular home run. Dodgers uh, win the game, eleven to nine. Oakland is beatable, and they're no longer ten games over five hundred. They got beat. Diamondbacks got them four to three. David Peralta walking it off in that one. Were you watching that one?
1: Uh, I watched it
0: till about 10 o'clock, and then yeah. I went to bed. Enough of that. West Coast games, right? All right. What is Trending it's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. You receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right. Coming up this morning. Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports at 8 o'clock. Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer, kslsports.com on the playoff series. At 9 o'clock, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. David Locke making an appearance on the show. I just talked to somebody in the bubble. On the eight second call, Rudy
1: Gobert grabs the rebound, comes down with it. Jokic knocks it out of foul. So Donovan inbounds with 22 on the clock, but with only right. six seconds, pretty big difference, to get across the half line. So I think he has a mental clock that tells him how long it is. And he went to that mental clock, but he was two seconds short. On radio, we didn't have that. You know, if we're in an arena. We would have noticed that the shot clock was at point 8 or something, rather than 24, right? And we don't have that view.
0: David, thanks for calling in. Crucial info. That explains so much. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Murray comes off Jokic to the right hand. Guarded by Ingles. Hesitates. Pulls. Mid-range jumper. Good! Jamal Murray with 8 straight. Matching Donovan Mitchell and putting Denver up 113-111. Donovan attacking... Murray, pull-up jumper for the tie. Yes! Oh, my goodness gracious. How good are these guys? Tied at 113. 49 seconds to play. Hot Takes your Toast brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. What do you think? Your reaction. Fallout from the overtime loss to the Nuggets. Another OT loss to Denver. What are you going to do? Matt says, well, let me see. I got a dresser to sand and paint, the lawn to mow, and two stalls to clean out of. I'm good. What are you going to do? The honeydew list, PK. A dresser to sand and paint.
1: Well, You better sand and paint it, I guess.
0: I hope for a split on the road without Conley. No split this time. Felt like this is our game, Utah. Mitchell gave it his all and then some. But what did we have? Like five straight turnovers in overtime? Maybe we get a split on Wednesday. I wish we had a full roster. Look what we're doing without two of our best offensive threats. Grayson wondering about what might have been.
1: Sure, yeah, of course you would. I would too. It doesn't matter. The games go on. Uh, one good thing about having this bubble is I don't have to wear. We're, we're going to try to steal one. <laughs> uh, or, or we held serve. Those are great. I hate both of those expressions. You don't steal anything. You win a game, and it's not tennis, so you don't hold serve. And I'm so glad we don't have to. One of life's simple joys is that, two of them, I don't have to hear these cliches. We've got to steal one, or we held serve. Or we didn't held serve, or they just held serve. That's all. Or the series doesn't start till the road team wins, and that's a bunch of nonsense.
0: Pat Riley, baby, he put that one out into the universe thirty-five years ago, and
1: it stuck. It, no, not not at all. It didn't stick. I mean, the once the ball goes up, the series starts. Game one when the ball goes up. That's just guys, particularly ex-jocks, trying to be insightful. They're not really sure what to say, and so they say that. <laughs> no. The series starts when the ball goes up in the air. Game one. Could you imagine a coach? Don't worry about it, man. The series doesn't start till you know a road team wins. Yeah, yeah. and you're you're series four awesome. zero.
0: Series <laughs> starts when they keep track of points and the clock is moving. Yeah, I always thought that that was Riley because the Lakers were so good and they were always the one seed and always had home court advantage year after year. That when they're up 2-0 and he didn't want his guys, it doesn't start until someone wins on the road. That was just trying to keep his guys focused when they were just annihilating one Western Conference team after another. Up 2-0 in series after series.
1: I did not know that uh, Pat Riley started that.
0: Steven Post Mitchell needs help, but he also needs to look for open players when the traps are coming. Trust me, I'm a professional keyboard coach. (laughs) I think he's referencing that uh, dribble off the shoe in
1: overtime there. I thought he was sensational. I thought it is his emergence from stardom to superstardom. I had a feeling it was coming. I just looked at his eyes in the other games that he played, and sure enough, he delivered there in that manner. And so yeah, he. How many assists did he have? Nine. Uh, I thought it was seven. seven. Eight rebounds, seven assists. Yeah. Nine rebounds,
0: seven assists officially
1: uh, okay. for for him playing a position that, that I mean that's the new point guard. The days of the point guard averaging twelve and thirteen assists are gone, uh, because that's not what they're what, to, what they're supposed to do. So if you get over seven. Uh, that, that's more than new the way it is now. You can look at the numbers and go back if you want. And look, I, I haven't. I just know them. I don't know. I won't. I won't bother to look at the numbers. But point guards back then used to have way more assists than they have now. Uh, I thought he was sensational. They, I don't have any problem passing it to Royce in the at the end of uh, regulation, but I don't want Royce shooting it. Pass it back situation. Swing, well, swing. Depending on, I don't, he doesn't necessarily have to pass it back. He can even do something with it, but shooting a, a wide-open three, nah, sorry, Royce, that's not what I want you to do. The percentages are way in my favor, if I'm Denver, that you're going to miss it. Rick says they just need to stay health,
0: healthy for the upcoming season, which is only a few months away. Rick just wants them to get through this in one piece. No, they'll get through it in one
1: piece. It's it's that's not that's not the an issue.
0: zero says, "Keep playing hard, guys. We're not going old for four. Go Jazz."
1: Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But you can go back and forth. You know, the the thing that really struck me the most is that Denver shot what 50% from three, and how many times are you can do that. If they do that. They're going to win, as are most teams. And this uh, situation of basketball, because it's not like you went uh, three for six or five for ten, because teams are taking way more than that. And so what you have to – I don't know that you can count on it, but anticipate maybe is that Denver won't be that hot, and Clarkson and the Yang will be better. From three. I mean, Niang missed all three of his on one possession. They're all three from the same spot in the corner. And he missed them. Uh, I don't have any problem with him taking them because that's why he's in the league. See, Royce isn't in the league to make three-pointers. That's that's not why he's in the league. So I think in, in those situations, you do what got you there. By what got you there, what got you to the league. And O'Neal, that, his three-point shooting didn't get him to the league. But Niang, it did, and plus it was earlier in the game, too. I don't know if I want Niang with a minute left taking three st- straight three-pointers on one possession. Well, the rebound
0: came right back to him, which is one of the funkier-looking rebounds I've ever seen. Yeah.
1: I got this. So no, they didn't. you look at the three-point shooting, and never forget the law of numbers. <laughs> and, nice. <laughs> maybe that Denver won't be as hot from three.
0: Joe let it rip. He took 12 three pointers. That was good. I thought he was aggressive right from the start, went right to the rim and got fouled early in the game and just kept shooting. And really, the only time he stopped shooting was when Donovan, you know, <laughs> was on fire in the last six minutes and, and shot on almost every possession. Why wouldn't he? He was unstoppable.
1: Yeah, I think Joe had to run out of gas a little bit because, you know, he's guarding Murray. Murray's, what, like nine years younger than him? Uh, that's That's got to be difficult. So I don't have any complaints with Joe's game.
0: 43 minutes for uh, Ingalls and Mitchell and 42 for Rudy Gobert when uh, Clarkson played 39. So big-time minutes for all of those guys as the game right. goes OT. Obviously, you pick up the extra five.
1: Yeah. And so I just think that was a little bit of fatigue there is what, if they were to ask me specifically what about that overtime because that was a stinker, I would say maybe that was it. Coaches don't like to bring that stuff up, but
0: Quinn had to acknowledge the obvious, I guess. But then he moved on.
1: Well, yeah. That's just the reality of it. And that's, that's a ton of men. there And, they're, and they're, they're...
0: They're intense minutes. They're not yeah, easy that's minutes. The Thank you. Yeah, Thank they're you. intense yeah. minutes. Right. That right. game was intense in the second quarter. You could feel it early. You know, it wasn't a case of waiting to turn it on as the stakes got higher. Denver was pulling away in the second quarter, and the Jazz had to come up with a run. I think they got down to eight or ten. It was like forty three, thirty five, or thirty three, or something like that. And Jazz came and tied it up, and then I guess put a seven zero run on them. And you could just you could just feel it at that point. You know, there was there uh, they were holding nothing back, and it was early.
1: Right, and then you go at the end. One of the reasons why I didn't want like Joe to be guarding Jamal Murray is then it took a lot out of him offensively. Sure. Whereas then I believe Murray was guarding Joe, and Joe wasn't doing a whole lot offensively because it was the Donovan Mitchell show. So Murray was cons- conserving energy on defense. He wasn't having to run around. Joe was not really doing a whole lot on offense at the end there. And then Joe's got to go extend an energy to guard Murray and guard somebody nine years younger than you. you know, I, th- I think it's tickets. So I mean, Murray's a really nice player. I think maybe I would have liked to see some type of trap situation, uh, try to get the ball out of his hands. But then you do that, you are advantage, the yep. ball goes to Jokic. Yep. <laughs> the reality is Denver's two best offensive players are better than any of the two Jazz best offensive players. Right. But with Conley and Bogdanovich out, they can have a two-man game that is better than any two-man game that you could put out there.
0: Which didn't matter for a big stretch of the game because Donovan's one-man game was otherworldly, and so that, that carried him through quite a bit of it. But man, once once you have a hiccup, uh, they don't they don't give you an inch. You know, it's uh, you have a couple turnovers. You know, they they had just scouted, and I mean, when they they knew Rudy was going to in overtime when they ran the pick and roll to Rudy, they were ready for Rudy to throw that ball into the corner. You know, had a guy dropping in there and, and picking that off. And they jammed up Joe. And and he threw a ball out of bounds in the corner in overtime and Donovan off
1: his shoe. Yeah, and that's the negative. But yeah. overall, you know, I'm pleased with their effort. And I always felt that this series was going to be difficult to win without Bogey. And then you get the news with Conley's wife. And that just add to the that compounded the degree of difficulty, certainly. But to me... The number one thing I wanted to see out of this series was Donovan Mitchell emerge. Well, you got your wish because my that wish, was man.
0: spectacular.
1: Yeah, absolutely I got my wish, and that's what I saw. And it's just been uh, – to me, he's just had the look. For whatever reason, once they got to Orlando, he's been a different player. His, just the way he looks, the way he carries himself, he's like, i I am – I'm the guy here, guys. And everybody on this team needs to know it. Everybody on this floor needs to know it. Everybody in this league needs to know it. Okay, I'm not this this young, wide-eyed guy anymore. I'm a superstar. And that's what we're seeing. And in order to go anywhere in this league, you've got to have a superstar. The more you can have, the better. I don't know how many teams really can have two, two superstars. You need that other player to be really good, and then you need some really high-level role players. But right now, Mitchell is emerging as a true superstar, and it's time to stop comparing him to anybody. No, he gets compared, to. That's the way it needs to be. I don't compare him to anybody anymore because he is an absolute superstar. We're seeing it right before our eyes, and that's what's really cool about it.
0: What do you need to do next? How are you feeling after that uh, loss? It's Denver in overtime again. What are you going to do? And uh, Janice says, uh, cry. I already did. I thought they were going to pull it off. What a bummer.
1: Yeah, if you're a fan, I get that 100%. Absolutely. I would feel the same way if I had the fan perspective in terms of the true heart. I'm a fan, but not the fan of uh, the winning and losing. I'm fine either way, but the traditional sense of the fan, yeah, that is, a you know, in a sports sense, that is a heartbreaker.
0: Did you think they were going to sustain the third quarter? Because the Jazz absolutely dominated the third quarter, and they went from down and, and trying to stay in the game to up by five with all the momentum going to the fourth. Now, obviously... the That's two possessions. But more the momentum and the flow of the game. Did you think they were going to keep rolling? Because it was like a 31 19 quarter in the third. And they were, yeah, they were crushing. And it it just, the way it worked out, you know, one coach does the first quarter interview, the other does the third. And it happened, they were talking to Malone in the third quarter. And man, he just, he was so sour on that third quarter. As he should be. I know, I know. They got drilled, you know. He's
1: a guy who tells you the truth. He's been able to say that. You just listen to some of the stuff he said over the years. He'll tell you the way it is. Uh, yeah, I thought they were going to win until the eight-second violation and then the, the accompanying three-pointer. And then I thought, uh-oh. Yep. That, uh, so wow, that was about, uh, what, a minute or a little minute, bit more than a
0: minute goal. 46 to yeah. go, up four with the ball, right. which thought, is an excellent place to be. And I Donovan's on gonna fire, win. right. Yeah. So
1: that Once that happened, and I couldn't believe it happened. And I don't blame it on Mitchell. I blame it on the coaching staff. Uh, you got all those guys over there. Coaching staffs are bigger than ever. The referee knew the rule, and there should never be a rule that the ref knows that somebody on the coaching staff doesn't know.
0: And it's 16 on the shot clock, and you got to know that, and it's right up there in lights. Yeah. So, but the player's got to know it, too. It, does, it's not, it is yeah. on the coaches, but
1: it's not off of Donovan. Uh, I don't have any problem with him. All they had to do was tell him get going, move up, and he would have. They tell you every time how many timeouts you have. Uh, you don't have any more timeouts. We got one timeout. You can hear because you mm-hmm. you hear the microphones in the huddles, and they tell it that it's up to the coaches to remind you of that, and the coaches didn't. And we can make all the excuses in the world we want, but the coaches, for me. And if you think otherwise, so be it. I don't try to to get anybody to think of the way I want to think. Either you agree with me or disagree with me, and you're entitled to think that it's on Mitchell too, that's fine. I don't. I think it's exclusively on the coaches. That's what they're there for, to tell them the little rules of the game. And they didn't. They let Mitchell down. And... That happened. Mitchell won't do it again, but it happened. And then sure enough, it's like a walk or a couple of walks in baseball, man. The the gods of the sport aren't going to let you get away with it. And sure enough, Murray hits a three. And at that point, I, my wife had come home from work and was watching the game, and I thought, uh-oh. I felt confident, all to answer your question, I felt confident right until that those two sequences. If Murray would have missed the three, well, would have been fine, but he didn't. He made it. And so at that point, then I thought, "Oh my gosh, they're going to lose this game." And then, uh, and in overtime, I never really felt confident because they expended so much energy; they had given just everything that they had. That I feared falling flat, and that's what happened.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. We got much more on this series uh, coming up. Ben Anderson's going to be here at nine o'clock. Shane Young at eight. NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. Talk with him. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I would have loved to have our fans there. That would have made it that much more interesting and that much more fun. But no fans. It was a lot, it was a lot of trash talking. Good trash talking. It was fun. And that's how us best players like it. We can go at each other respectfully and see you know, who's got more bullets. So you know, tonight was us, and we just got to gear up for Game 2. Jamal Murray gearing up for Game 2. Jazz and the Nuggets tomorrow. Your reaction to game one. Got a lot of people tweeting at us this morning, PK, and uh, comparing them to teams of the past. Another OT loss to the Jazz. What are you going to do? And Jack says, Shake my head. This Denver team has 2000 Spurs vibes. They don't panic, all is confident, and everyone does their job. Now, 2000 Spurs won multiple championships. O three, O five, O seven. They had it going there for a while.
1: Well, the two thousand Spurs didn't. <laughs> I mean,
0: no, ninety nine was their their first title. Two, but it was two thousands. He had two zero 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 s. So I think he meant in that decade. Oh, Okay. You think they have championship vibes in Denver? You get that?
1: Sure. Why not? I mean, in order to win one, you've got to believe you're going to win one. That's true. I believe that. If I'm the Nuggets,
0: yeah. Why wouldn't I? Paid enough dues, gotten close enough, had enough losing before you do the winning? I mean if I'm the Jazz, why wouldn't I? I Guess the Warriors did, right? I think the Warriors had a second round loss just like the Nuggets did and then had their first championship.
1: Yeah, I mean if you don't believe in yourselves, forget it. You're doomed.
0: Steven says, the games are exciting, but I don't feel as passionate about them, probably because I know it's a tall task to win when you're down two starters. Donovan's performance was special, though.
1: I can buy that. The reality is that it was going to be difficult, and then it got more difficult with the news of the birth of the child. So I fully understand that. Uh, you can argue that Mitchell doesn't go for 57 it's not like you can just say, well, man, if we would have Bogdanovich and Mitchell's 57, if we would have Bogdanovich and Conley and Mitchell's 57, there's only so many possessions to go around. Uh, so, But you can certainly argue that they could have made a difference. I mean, you know, when you have an OT game, that obviously means you're tied at overtime, so you can pit, nitpick uh, 100 different things. This possession, that possession, the two technical fouls, Rudy missing free throws, they started off 0 for 4. Although one of the the second one, I think they got the rebound and scored anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you, know, you can go back and forth. I, I look to, to me, the Jazz, and I, I voice my negative thoughts on what they did that I didn't like, uh, that those things are going to happen every game. I don't think anybody's perfect. Uh, but I look at, for the number one reason, which gives me hope for game two and so forth, is the Nuggets shooting 50% from three. Anytime they do that, I would imagine their percentages of winning has got to be great. I don't know what it is, but it has got to, it's just got to be great. And if they do it again, it's going to be very, very difficult to win. So uh, I'm counting on them to come down to earth a little bit more. Jazz, that doesn't mean that the Jazz that can win. I'm yeah. just counting on that.
0: The Jazz were uh, 34% from three themselves, so they could still have a a hot game out there, maybe a little less likely to do it because they're missing two good three-point shooters. But they've still got guys who could shoot a little better than that. So that number could go up. And you're right, the Nuggets, 22 of 41 is uh, is just off the charts. And you, you should lose very rarely when you're shooting 50%. And right. if you do, there's a decent chance the other team was over 45. Maybe they were over 50 themselves and you were both just on on fire the same night. But you wouldn't think that happens very often. Right. The thing the thing. I think that uh, the negative to that is that they played four close games with the Nuggets. And they've been very different rosters, right? Because obviously Bogdanovich and Conley both missed this game. The regular season game they played in the bubble, the seeding game, Bogdanovich Mitch Conley was there. I haven't gone back and looked, but I, I think they were at fairly full strength the uh, first two times they played. So no matter what the combination of lineups are, the, con- the consistent thing is... The Nuggets are better at making big plays with the game on the line. All these games have been close. The last two have gone overtime. The other, the, the two in the regular season, back when we had crowds and everything, uh, didn't go OT, but they were still right down to the end. And the Nuggets, whatever the play is, make the play at the end of the game and have won all four. They've just Great. been better in the last two minutes. The
1: law numbers are in the Jazz's favor. <laughs>
0: Going to beat the law of numbers into the ground this morning.
1: So it's not going to continue forever. It even bodes better than I thought. And even if they lose, this is the emergence of Donovan Mitchell as a superstar in this league. And you need superstars to go where you want to go.
0: Join the big show Thursday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Prices is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boo! All right, coming up next... More on the NBA playoffs, more on the first day, the first four games, and especially the Jazz game. Shane Young, he's an NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports. He'll join us next to assess the Jazz chances and Donovan Mitchell and uh, what the heck was that with uh, Chris Dapp getting kicked out. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.